All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us once again for another installment in the Discipling Through Philippians series. We'll be in lesson five tonight. So we're going to start on chapter two. Start in chapter two tonight, Philippians two. It will begin with the these first three verses here. Philippians two, verses one, two, and three. I'm gonna read it in the King James first, and then in the New Living Translation. Alright. It reads If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, that each esteem other better than themselves. Now, in the New Living Translation, it reads like this. Starting at verse 1, he says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Now, as we read this, I'm, I'm seeing a theme here. <coughs> It brings me back to what we were talking about, what we saw in chapter one. Now I want to see if you see, if you're picking it up. What is what is Paul pulling out here, especially looking at verse two, because he's placing some emphasis on something. Like minded. That's good. And being of one accord. Unity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unity. One mind. There you go. Unity. Mm -hmm. Unity. Having the same love, which is the unity, but all based on love. God's true love. That's good. Foundation, I guess. That's love. Because you see, we, we, we saw him speaking that way in chapter one, and now we got a, a, a reminder here. He's specifically talking to them now, exhorting them to remain to, of one mind, one heart, one accord. <clears throat> now, here's a question I want us to jump, jump on here. Okay. Now, to be of one mind, what does that look like? What does that mean? And I ask that question specifically because... There is, I know there's a perception of some that the Christian faith is about conformity and about 
you being a cookie cutter pattern of a specific archetype of what a holy person is supposed to be. Right? But now when you when you when you're reading this, we'll be of one mind. What do you see Paul saying here? Be of one mind to walk in love one to another, preferring one another. That makes enough sense. Yeah. Because the Amplified says having the same love. So if you're walking in love toward everyone, there are none of these issues that would bring disunity and strife and contention. We don't all have to believe the same thing, but we can walk in love toward one another and live without strife. That's true. If we walk in God's love, mm-hmm. then we're going to be like-minded anyway. Mm-hmm. And we'll... Like-minded doesn't mean we all ex- agree on doctrine. I think it's more that we agree to walk with, to, to allow Christ to live his life through us and walk yeah. in love. Okay. Okay. Love is patient. Love is kind. Doesn't envy. You know, I was mom, and I was reading that a couple of days ago. She had read. She goes, "I think you need to read some things going on." And I go, "Yeah, I do." And it's just, you know, it's always a good thing to go back over. It's like, and if we walk in that, yeah. Okay. All right, I think I'm gonna use Julie as my guinea pig here. Yes, sir. Okay. All right, so she can take it. The scripture says, "Speak the truth in love." Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So. Uh-oh. Now I'm looking at I look at Julie and I say, Julie, being a brother of the Lord, okay, just to I just have to say that God is not pleased with those pants you're wearing right now. <laughs> you wanna fight? <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Now, just because something's true don't mean it has to be said. <laughs> oh, okay. Just because something is true doesn't mean it has to be said. But the scripture says, speak the truth in love. How do I reconcile that? Whatever truth God gives you to speak. I doubt that he told you to tell Julie he don't like her pants. I think it would be, I mean, I know I'm the guinea pig. I'm the one on the table. But however, I think probably the better thing to do if it's speak the truth in love, first going to God and asking him like when the right time to speak something is. And besides, does that really mean any truth, anything you see, or is it talking about a particular truth? I don't know. That, that just means hey, anything that you think's not right, correct it as long as you're in love. I, that's, I don't think that's what it means. But. That's an interesting angle there, yeah. Never... People use that all the time to justify their telling you what their personal opinion is. I had a lady. I this in the love of the Lord. I had a lady Sister. I knew, kind of as an acquaintance, <laughs> but she, her and her husband, they were new youth leaders. It was a long story at a church I used to kind of like visit. And I went to a lot, and one of my friends that was really close to me, she told me she goes, the young lady had been like confronted by some of the elderly women at the church, and she had been told that she was dressing like a harlot. But they said worse words. I go, oh, no, you don't do it that way. No, you know. <laughs> it's like the story we heard about, you know, the, the former nudist. Yeah. Instead of going after them, you need to put your clothes on. They got quiet. They prayed. 
and they and she came to them and everybody's like and although that was true she probably needed to have more clothes on right but that wasn't the way that god wanted to deal with her and he he showed her watching all it's like look right but it was when i got saved was about a hundred of us off the streets and we were sent to this church which was like a an Italian Pentecostal holiness church. Oh wow! And and there was guys in there with hair down to their waist, and 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 you know barefoot, and in the summertime, you know, would cut off jeans. You know how people used to dress forty, fifty years ago, and nobody complained about the clothes. But within six months, almost everybody had you know had straightened themselves out. Nobody told them they just straightened out. Got haircuts, started dressing differently, you know, without anybody jumping all over them and, and condemning them. That's true. And there's been many who've been told and they just ran away from God. And I mean, unless by some miracle, it's like, oh, we think to do with God, you know. We had one guy had the prettiest hair in the church, prettier than all the women. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's another scripture that talks about doing things you know, in season and out season. There's a, there's a right season. There's a right time for things. And I think before sometimes, that's why we're always told, think before you speak, you know, weigh your words, what effect they're going to have on other people. Just, just because something's true doesn't mean it's the right time to be spoken, nor are you the right person to bring it forth. Yeah, I was listening to a minister who, more complicated. Who, who was looking for power. <laughs> he said he wanted God's power. He saw all these people healed for the AA Allen and all them. And he said no one could tell him how to get the power. And he went to different churches trying to find out how. And he went to a Pentecostal holiness church and they uh, chopped the ice off a pond to baptize him. And he said they told him he didn't have power because he wore a watch and he wore a gold wedding ring and he had another ring on his other hand. He said, I went in that water. He said, he said, a man with a, a watch, a ring and no power. And I came out without my watch, without my ring and still didn't have any power. He said <laughs> But he was willing to do anything anybody said that would help him get power in his life. That's power right. gun and, and he just ran through the they ran him through the you know gamut trying to trying to tell him that he had to do external things. What does it talk about with David and that might be getting off track a little, but maybe not, is God looks at the heart. Mm -hmm. And the heart will eventually mm -hmm. shine forth on the outside. So you still like your pants? <laughs> Well, I, I'm sorry, Julius. I know that we're not supposed to wear white past Labor Day. I kind of broke oh, that rule. I know, rule. that's I, I know, so girl. funny. We're the same. Yeah, I there we go. Yeah. I'm thinking I need to tell my friends. We committed a set. I'm sorry. It's, it's a social faux pas. But. Well, you, you and her got the same thing. I know, right? Mm -hmm. we, both, we, we both got mm -hmm. That's a hoot. Yeah, you know, we just feel laughing about this, right? But, you know, these are, this, I, I yeah, this is so sad. Yeah. It's something that, you know, we. All of us have dealt with and will continue to deal with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? We'll catch ourselves too. Yeah, but you know, for us to to understand what it truly means to have one mind. Yeah. Right. It doesn't mean for us to be automatons, like to be like, you know, these these this cookie cutter picture of whatever whatever the archetype is of the American Christian. Mm -hmm. That we are, you know, every person is supposed to look mm -hmm. they, they look and talk the exact same way. That's not that that's that's not what God wants, and it, that, that's not what what Paul is talking about here about being in one mind. I like what Terry was saying about walking in the love of the Lord, right? Because if if all of us, if everybody 
is spending time with the Lord, just enjoying their relationship with the Lord and feeding on the revelation of God's love for, for each of us individually, then it's going to have an impact on how we deal with each other. Even, even in those moments when we have a flesh flash, you say something sideways or I say something sideways, each of us will be in a better position to make it right, to get over it, mm-hmm. right? Instead of me being the straight shooter that says, in season and out of season, I'm going to speak the truth in love and you won't have no business wearing those pants. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 People that do that, they're just bullies. You know? Right. They're trying to they're trying to put everybody in, into their their concept, their idea of what they should, and they feel like if they're not doing it, they're in sin. Right. Because some of these guys are really serious about it. Yeah. Yeah. I've dealt with myself, and I was telling mom earlier today or yesterday, I was sharing. I go something I want to do with my kids when I have my children be a certain age, and I just go. You know, and I said, if anybody, you know, and I'll, I'll have, as we said, the flash flash come up, you know, to be like, any Christian people I'm around at the time, they say this, I'm just going to tell them to, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then I go, but then again, what am I saying? God has shown me a million times, it's like, you were like that. That's why you know how somebody's thinking, you know, or, you know, just have compassion. You know, mm-hmm. if somebody feels that way, you know, it's, it's a, it's a religious spirit, you know, that can be around. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, I know I used to think things like, they're doing that. They must not be a very good Christian. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, we just, like we said, we just got to love one another. <laughs> it used to bother me in the church when the young 18, 19 year olds come on and they have halter tops with real tight pants on and stuff. I had to go sit in the front row. I was distracted, you know, I have red blood running through my veins. And I had to say, man, I can't be sitting here. I got to get out away from that. Right. Yeah. And see, and, and I like that example because Gene didn't, Run to the pastor and say, hey, "No, no, you no, need no. to tell these women to take the take them halter tops off, uh-uh. and tight pants on." He took the initiative to say, "You know what? Okay, I'm gonna be sitting in front." Yes, someone. And there's a balance there, and you know, I it was a, a big, it was a mega church. I knew of them. I'm not gonna say names, but <coughs> had a friend and, and a gentleman actually, like a grown man, like father that we knew of in our church, not the church. You know, he had talked about a church he went to before, and he said they got to where they had a rule that people could not wear sandals on the platform because one guy granted and had to be one. Okay. Like, I'm sorry. He had an issue with seeing women's toes or something. It was really weird. And I'm like, okay, whether he did or didn't, I'm sorry if he did, but it's like, the guy had a toe fetish. (laughs) Toe fetish. Yes. And, and he just like this dude, like kind of dad here. He was just like, he was so irritated about it. Like really, you know, (laughs) like, yeah. Right. And, and see, and like you said, like, well, you, you use the word balance with that, right? Now, if you're in a congregation of 2,000 people, mm-hmm. you can't put no prohibition on, on, mm-hmm. on that. Really small. Oh, let's see. Can for, you imagine? For, for, for one, one person. For one person that has a foot fetish. When you got that many people, you're going to have people that hate anything you do. There's going to be a certain number of people that hate anything that happens. Right. Yeah. Right. So it is balance with that. Now, yeah. if... Let's say you're part of your small group or, you know, house church, and this was the issue. Now, in that type of setting, it's smaller, more intimate, right, and more right. interaction. It, it may be more appropriate to, to, to have that addressed directly. Right. right. In the right way. Right. Yeah. And then you pray, what's going on with him? Because that shouldn't be issues mm-hmm. with toes. But 
mm-hmm. until you just pray and just ask God what to do. That is a prayerful situation because I, I had a, there's another situation. I had a friend and it was a smaller church. It was probably hundred people. Maybe she was raised in church. It's a long story. And we're not like friends anymore, but I mean, back then, I know she went through a lot of brokenness and a lot of like really wounding my religion. And she got very rebellious, almost kind of obstinate rebellious, kind of on the edge. But I think it was toward her mom a lot. Her mom was a leader. Anyway, I saw all the dynamics, but I remember one of our other youth leaders had kind of hinted, but she loved this girl, the friend of mine, but she just, as a youth leader, she had to kind of like figure out what to do. You know, she would wear very, very, not even on the edge. She would go over the line stuff. She started doing that at church and they finally, I don't know if they said anything to her, but it was like, they even said like there was a man that stepped forward actually quietly. He said it really, really bothered him. And I go, I don't know. I don't know how God looks at it. I see it's, it's a balance. You have to pray. It's like, but I know she was hurting and it was like better to have her come to church. You know, <laughs> it was like, don't stop coming. But how do we tell her she's hurting? You know, it's like, that's where you really do have to go to God and go like, how do I handle this? Like, you know, being sensitive to, so-and-so, and then, you know, the other person. God knows what the other person is thinking, yeah. how they're feeling, and, and what they need. If you go to him, he and you really go, so one time isn't sometimes not enough, because you might think, I'm thinking that. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure I'm doing it right, because you don't want to hurt. But you also, if he's going, but I need you to go talk to him privately. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do it in front of no one if God is leading you. And you don't always, it may even be upset at first, but it really does get to him because you show Care to I'm not here to judge you or do something to you. Just feel like, you know, really, God was leading me to tell you this and this about this and this. If you're doing in love, He already knows what they're thinking. And it's got, He knows what's going to happen because He knows how what, how they're thinking of things, how deep, because you know how people, you know, I'm fine, I'm good. She told she is. I walked around, everybody else. I'm good. I'm, I'm I had a friend of mine was, was called the rock concerts. I mean, some heavy duty ones. And he was telling me about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I looked at him and I said, dude, are you comfortable in that setting? Because, I mean, they're singing filthy words and oh, yeah. lyrics and everything, and they're doing gyrations on, on the stage that are dirty. I said, are you comfortable? And you know how he answered me? He looked at me and said, don't even go there. Just don't go there. So you know he wasn't. You know he was fighting conviction, you know? Yeah, that's weird. All right, now I'm going to read Verse 2, Philippians 2, 2 in the Amplified. Then we're going to go to Romans 14. All right. So again, Paul says, fill up, fill up and complete my joy. Not fill up, but fill up. <laughs> fill up fill and complete up. <laughs> my joy by living in harmony and being of the same mind and one in purpose, having the same love being in full accord and of one harmonious mind and intention. Okay, now let's go to Romans 14. We're going to start at verse 1. And the living translation says, Except other believers who are weak in faith, and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Oh my gosh, did he just say that? Mm-hmm. That's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. All right, it's verse 14. 14. Yeah. All right. I gotta go to the bathroom.
For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat everything and anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. I, I'm, I'm, I'm still tripping on verse 1. Because the New Living Translation makes it so plain. Accept other believers who are weak in faith. And don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. That takes maturity. A lot of it. We had that come up maybe six months ago. There was a couple relatively new to our group. And we were talking about angels. We were starting to study on Hebrews. And so, of course, you know, beginning Hebrews talks about angels, chapter one. And it got into the discussion about the Nephilia. And that I watched her turn beet red just with anger you know and 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 just wanting to fight and she started talking and we just realized we said look this is not important if you believe that or not it's not a doctrine that'll you know if you don't believe you know you're not going to go to hell you're not going to go to hell if you believe yeah the role that the angels that we perceive it says in genesis happened so we can all joyfully agree to disagree. We don't, we don't have to. And so we just stopped it right away and said, feel free. And when it's brought up, feel free to keep your opinion. We're not trying to. What we try to do, because this is what I see in the word, they never tried to forcefully force people to believe anything. They urged people. They beseeched people. Right? They, but there was no coercion. You must believe. Paul didn't say... You know, if it was something he, he, it was his opinion. He didn't say, I command you. He only used strong language when it was something that Jesus said. So we just, let's just agree to disagree. We, we can all love each other and be at peace and still be in harmony because we are not all going to agree on everything that we see in the word. And I know from my own, in my own life, we all know on this journey, our opinion, our, what we, we get greater revelation, it changes so we don't want any kind of struggles, and everything was fine. I mean, she, they did try to write me an email and prove what they believed, and I simply wrote back scriptures, and then I said, it, yeah. it's, it's all good. You're free to believe that. We're not trying to force you to believe what we believe, and it's not doctrinally that important. So yeah. let's stay in harmony. That's the main thing, that we stay in harmony. So we've had that come up a couple of times. It is true. The only thing Paul really got rough about was when people walked away from grace and then he like yeah, pounded down. Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, he wasn't like, you have to believe this. Yeah, with the same thing with the father. If um, even a, a, a man or a little boy has been really abused by his father and or a woman, and lots of times women are really abused by their father, not all, but you know mm -hmm. some. And then you want to tell them, about how wonderful God is and he's a good father. They're going like, I don't have nothing to do with him. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, a father figure. It has to, 
You can't go. You have to believe. The word says, don't you understand? Did you read it? You, you, they have to, the Holy Spirit has to. Every boy I, I knew was minister, abused, minister. but back then abuse meant a belt or a fist. Didn't mean anything sexual, you know, but, but fathers back then, they had just come out of the war and they were rough, tough dudes. We were dudes. talking about keeping, how do you, keep in harmony right. based on the first verse. Keep in harmony with people that disagree or have completely different opinions and says don't argue with them. Don't. When I first came to the Lord, I really felt like he was like my dad. Like if I screwed up, he was going to hit me with a hammer. I mean, I really, I really was concerned. Yeah, it's sad. And so we were taught for a long time. It was a cross between God heals, especially being a Pentecostal. It was almost like they were a little more free Pentecostal, um, but it still was just God's look at it a certain way, but oh, he heals, but you're going to do this. Right. And he's going to come down on you and crack down on you with you the iron you fist. You got to qualify. Yeah. You, if you, you do wrong, he's going to correct you. He's going he gonna to beat you or something like that. So, you know, try when I heard Andrew start talking some of this stuff, I'll go. Yeah. Let me read. Sure. Verse 1 in the Amplify. Romans 14 1. says, as for the man who is a weak believer, welcome him into your fellowship, but not to criticize his opinions or pass judgment on his scruples or perplex him with discussion. All right, Julie, let me um, speak on you again. Okay. I know it's not Memorial Day yet. I'm still here. Just remember, if you're a vegetarian, that means you're weak. Okay. Now... All right, so I come, I, you, you invite me to the Bible study, right? And then, come on, yeah. right? And he's Bring like, and, I, and I, I come in and I say, you know, I just got to share this with you guys. I, 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 I was looking at this news story and I was seeing all these Bible thumpers on here talking about how great it is that Roe v. Wade got overturned. Can you believe these jerks standing out here with picket signs and drinking Kool-Aid and cheering and stuff? Just denying a woman's right to choose. That's pushing my button. I'd say, yeah. That's, God, right. That's why he didn't make you this I'd example. say, yeah, God wants to kill the, the ones that he formed in the womb. I, I would answer. I think, again, it's like letting the Bible talk in those moments. Like where it, you know, talks about, you know, it's, you know, cursed or uh, I'm really bad, like Deuteronomy. I'm I like, knew you before you were born. Yeah, I knew you before. There you go. Yeah, Psalm 139. I think it's like Terry was saying. It's just, you know, you lay out what it says, let it be. It's like, you know, we're not going to argue here and God's going to work on it. You know, just, you know, you leave it in his hands, you know. I mean, I'm going to stand up for what I believe. Okay. Okay. But well, hold on, sister. You told me you're a grace person, but you just quoted, you quoted the Old Testament. We delivered from that stuff, right? <laughs> Jesus came to fulfill the law. He didn't come to abolish the law. It's about the heart, though. And it's like, I, I really pray, and I, you know, I'm going to be, you know, I'm here for you, brother. Oh, Truth like, never changes. God, you know, and, and, and even my seeking God and my, my, my moments, see, that's where the relationship with God comes in. It's mm -hmm. like, I've had some times in my life, I will say this, this is off note of our actual little enactment we're doing here, but I literally, the actual abortion issue or just in general, not even, let me say abortion, 
when our life began. Basically, I threw a lot of stuff out. I wasn't even sure about a lot of things about, you know, the Bible, what it said. But I remember thinking to myself, I go, how do I feel about abortion now? Because I just, you know, threw everything out at one time, like two or three years ago. And I go, everybody has a right. Everybody deserves to have a chance to live. I do know that, you know. But yeah, as for that, I would just give you some scriptures. I'd say, hey, this is what God's word says. says. I came you might have life and have it more by God is grace. You know, God does give grace, but however, his best for us is we all, you know, he wants us to have a chance to live. And I just pray, you know, I would really pray you see it the way I do, but if you don't, I love you. You know, you're always welcome here to the Bible study. So that's how I'd handle it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you know, because again, these are like real issues. Real. Yes. Very real. And get us as believers to contradict everything Paul is, is, is encouraging you to be a one mind and to live harmoniously. I have a neighbor who's ultra left wing and she was talking to me about abortion one time and I said, I don't care where you stand killing a baby is wrong. She looked at me right in the eye and said, I know it too. <laughs> she said, I wish it wasn't the case. I wish there weren't abortions going on. She said, but they are. I mean, so she, she, she admitted deep down inside they know it's wrong. You know, they're doing it anyway. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, when you allow someone to be heard, right? You, you, you know, you show that you are compassionate towards them as individuals. You may not be compassionate towards their perspective. Right. Mm -hmm. But what, but towards them, then there's a space for whatever correction or, you know, redirection that needs to happen and you know let us not get on our high horse Mm -hmm. to think that we don't need some twisting in what we believe too right because we all of us can learn something from each other Mm -hmm. you know and that whole because the whole abortion thing is like i mean am i i'm i'm staunch in reference to where i stand on that obviously i you know it's yeah. It, it's it's murder. Of course, yeah. Based on my interpretation of scripture, but I don't have the right to berate somebody that doesn't, doesn't have that revelation. It, doesn't mm-hmm. see it like that. Yeah. It doesn't see that perspective, right? Because all I'm gonna do is if I'm if if I'm in my vitriol and 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 my my attitude, I'm getting all nasty and and berating them. All I'm doing is giving them more ammunition to discredit what I'm saying. You know, a lot, a lot of that's based on the heart, too, because, you know, speaking it's abortion or not abortion, you know, I mean, this, this issue is really actually a good one to bring in because it's such a controversial thing sometimes, even in the church. But it's like, I've seen, like, I have a f- couple of friends of mine that, you know, are in the liberal card about, you know, abortion. And I was looking at their post one time and it literally was talking like the ones with the friend who were agreeing with them or whatever they said that abortion was okay. They're like, yeah, you know, all these kids that are hungry today and all this. And why do you want to bring a kid in this world doing this? And I, I, I want it so bad. Like my fingers, I had to hold them back from typing, but then I go, but here it is the worldview already. It's not about abortion or not abortion. It's about trusting God and, 
And I'm like, they literally see it, which I, like I said, that was one of my foundational things with God. One, one of the things I was like, God, how can this person I know think it's not good to murder somebody and go up and stab them, but they think aborting's bad. And then God showed me, it's like, they think they're God. They think not like God, but you know, they think they have the right to choose if it's a life or not. And a lot of them have to yeah. act like they're saving the planet or they're saving the child from going yeah, through terrible Yeah, exactly. Stuff. They're trying to make good out of it. And it's like, but when you don't have the biblical worldview there, you don't have God. Like, you know, they said they've had abortionists. They've did zillions of abortions. And one day, just in the middle of one, they said, what, the the scales come off the eyes. And they just go, oh, my God, what have I done? It's got to be a heart change, you know. And I guess when we realize that, it's not about, you can't do this. It's, why would you want to do this? Before I knew the Lord, I wasn't here nor there for abortion. And I was listening to a rock station. And this guy who was the DJ... He went to a place where they do abortions, and he said, "He said I was on the line for abortion." He said, "But when I looked in this receptacle where they threw the fetuses, Jesus. Jesus. he said, I saw a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, beautiful baby." He said, "And I knew that wasn't a blob, and I knew that wasn't a fetus. That was a dead person in there that they had killed." And when when I heard him say that, that changed my changed everything in me. I thought, he's right. That's what happened with, it was, it's a true story where I had read a couple years ago. There is uh, more than one that did it, but this is, I cannot remember his name, but it was, he had created one of the uh, procedures of abortion and he was doing an abortion and it, not to be crass that we're saying, he, you know, always, because the procedures to make sure all of it is there. All the pieces. Because yeah. they don't want to kill the woman. They don't want to get her. infection. Yeah, yeah she <laughs> died. And he said something happened. No one had said anything to him. He was just doing his thing. And when he put it back together, he, he looked at it. And it's just what she said, but it's really true. He looked at it and he goes, oh, my, oh God. God. That is a That's a human that's being. That's a yeah. human being. And he goes, I did it over and over. Mm-hmm. And it just changed him. And he's, ever since, I've seen him since he's, he's doing, and he's not doing, he's not doing it like this. He's going, this is what I know. I was Mm-hmm. And he's trying to stop it, but he's doing it the right way. He's not. He's not forcing anybody. He just talks. He goes to whoever will listen, and he's not in anybody's face saying, "You're know, standing in a picket line, going, you did, I did this.'" No, he goes, "I am a doctor. I did this. This is what happened." And then that um, the lady had the movie, the Abby, mm-hmm. what if Johnson? Yeah, her. She was worked for Planned Parenthood, that, and what happened? She had a heart mm-hmm. change. Right. And now she has children, and she loves. What it. is it? It's true. It's the heart. It's like not about a do and a don't. It's just you can't force them. The heart said, you know, so it doesn't a, work. That's the definition of speaking the truth and love, right there. Jimmy Swagger said a lady came into his office one time. She had two kids. She was pregnant with a third one, and she wanted him to okay the abortion. She said, "I want to get an abortion." And tell me that's okay. We can't afford this child. And he said, "I got a baseball bat over here in the corner." Why don't you just kill one of these kids and make room for the new one? And and she said, how can I do that? He said, what makes them different than the one that's going to come forth? You know? And she she saw it, I guess. She either saw it or picked up the baseball bat and went after Swagger. With and then you take it a step further. You try to help those people. Yeah. Right? Either pay bills, buy formula, diapers. Mm-hmm. Help in any way, whether they put a child I, up for I, adoption. I tried, I tried it one time. I couldn't do it. I offered to pay for the hospital bill, take the baby. Uh, wow. I, every excuse they had, I, I, was, I was willing to meet it. And they said no. And, they, and, and do you know what it boiled down to? 
I couldn't live with myself knowing I had a child out there in the world and I didn't know him. So, and I said, so you'd rather kill him, right? And, and they wouldn't use that word. They'd say, well, I'd rather not have that child, you know. Yep, comes back to the heart. Mm -hmm. Now let's look at verse 3 again. Philippians 2 and 3. And we're going to see another um, area of contradiction to harmony. And, and King James says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Now that word strife, now we spent some time earlier on in this study talking about that, especially in reference to, you know, ministry and, and how, you know, people have built whole ministry platforms on tearing down other preachers, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Right, trying to trying to find you know heretic hunters and stuff like this, right? Yeah. But Paul is saying here, let nothing be done through strength or vain glory. Now I'm looking at the word vain glory is not something we use, right? But now I'm looking at Strong's that says empty glorying that is self conceit. To puffing yourself up. <clears throat> Empty pride, groundless, yeah. a vain opinion of error. Now look at the, this the second half of this verse. Now the contradiction to being in strife, vainglory, is to live in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Now we read that, but what does that, what does that look like? What does that mean? To esteem each other road rage. better than uh, that's what I think than ourselves. Uh, you say road rage, and I don't know. That's a good example. <laughs> it I is. mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a practical yeah, example. Yeah, it is. Right? Because it is a lot. Right. Most people only think about think about themselves. That's what this road. When is. someone flies by, you pray thinking, that they get their safe. Yeah, not when that you they allow someone right. to come in, you're thinking of someone above yourself. Yeah. 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 And a lot of the time, if we're honest, we're not we're not loading the mind driving down no. sixty four. No. That joke cut us off, man. It's like, well, this is jerk, such and such, such and such. And we might, yeah. you know, depending on how our flesh is doing that day, it might be some other words that come out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I talk to him. I look in the mirror and I tell my wife, I say, I can see the color of this guy's eyes. Like, like I'm going 65 or 70 and like they're on your back bumper. Yeah. That's and I say, now because he slept late, he's willing to kill me. Yeah. yeah, you can tell if he's a shave or not. I mean, it's like, you know, it, it, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But again, if I'm esteeming somebody else above myself, I yeah. see that I see this guy riding my tail. Right, I say, oh dang, I'm, I'm already going ten over speed. Let me you see you riding my tail. Okay, you know what? This dude really must be late. Let me slide over to the other yeah, yeah, and let him by. Right. Yes, that is the way to. But now, what? 
Now again, this is that's a practical example of what Paul talking about here. Mm-hmm. But the opposite. Now, if I'm thinking about me, I might tap a little bit. I might tap on my tap on the brake. And then if I see him trying to get over, I might I might try to block that. Well, she'll quite just to be that, a but jerk. She taps the brakes just because because I'm irritated. The hard, because he's riding. The hard part is is when you're is when you're in the Lord and you see him come up. And you slide over, let him go by, and as he goes by, he gives you the one fingered salute. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, don't try to be so nice to this guy. Trying to be a Christian, and now they're making it even harder. And you're trying not to salute back, right? No, yeah. I don't. I don't do that. I I, I just my my sins are in my mind. Back, I don't yes. I don't commit sin. I think sin sometimes. <laughs> Okay, so you or I've had to get that finger of yours because I ah, they might think it's a gun. Put that finger down. Or <laughs> at the fist. When I was in prophecy school, they would grab that finger all the time and say, Gene, stop it. Just stop it. No, I haven't ascended to Gene's level yet. I don't think I have Bible yet. Amen to that. Because, you know, it's like, again, this is not a serious example of this, but it's practical. We don't understand. Well, it was just a murder, right? At Oyster Point for road weight. Well, there you go. A few days ago. And see, something like that uh-huh. can be so... In the Food Lion parking lot. It's so silly. In the beginning. You don't even know each other. Because you don't, I, don't, I don't know you. You don't know me. But something can escalate to the point where somebody's no longer on the earth now. Mm-hmm. Over what? Nothing. Over, over nothing. What? Right. Over... Well, cutting but them that, that's why but that's why Paul said what he did about strife. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, James said what he did about strife. Yeah. And where does where's the root of that? Probably selfishness. If I get up late, it's my fault, but now I'm gonna endanger other people's lives, speeding and driving recklessly to get where I need to be to avoid the consequences <laughs> but so that I probably deserve because I'm late. We saw it one night personally, or a couple times we've had it, but this one was really, really scary. We were coming home one night through um Lightfoot and some he was being a jerk, and she decided, I, I, I think she blew at him. He was trying to pass, and they finally did. He pulled up into um, a 7-Eleven, and it was opening. Off this, Richmond Road, yeah. yeah. Right down Richmond Road, and as she was going by, she decided to lay on the horn really hard. Uh, we didn't know. He pulled, so what happened. he pulled up behind us and followed us. All of a sudden, somebody was way. behind us about two minutes down, and they and had they their were, lights flicking, and they were honking. They were the on us. our bumper. They and, and we turned down to, yeah. but it's another. It's a back road, Forge Road, which leads to another road, which gets close to home. It's, it's several it's miles. eventually. Maybe yeah. seven miles or something. And as we're going down there, it's dark. It's nighttime, so it's really creepy. I, I took her phone, and I put it up in the window. And I lit it up. I did like this. I kept started shaking it like we that. weren't even calling nine one one. We weren't we even calling my father. They stopped. I think they turned yeah. off and they went back. They I thought said, we I said we're gonna have to do this. We're gonna have to threaten them that they. Th- well, I was doing like this. It's true. It can get you I in trouble. Couldn't, they couldn't hear me. I'm like they need to get off my bumper because I'm calling nine one one. That that happened that was, to me. I had a guy that was in, a, in a big tractor this trailer. This lady's by herself at nighttime. I had a guy in a big tractor trailer got right behind me, flashing his lights off and on. And I mean, he was two feet behind me. And I'm looking in the mirror, and I'm like, "What do I do?" So I, I put my, I'm, I've got my hand up, and going, "No, no, 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 no!" Like this, right? Well, guess what he thought that was. That's why I'm always. I looked, that I looked in, away. I looked in the mirror, he's and he's, he's jackknifing, his tires are smoking. I'm like, "What in the world happened?" And then I looked at my hand, and I went, 
You've done your duty, dude. And off, oh, wow. And off I left. I didn't know but I was doing that. But I was just saying that's what happened with us, you know, mm-hmm. losing, you know, mm-hmm. I'm getting a little bit too much. Instead of just riding by and letting them go. I have learned to keep myself at peace is to immediately start praying for that person. Because the truth is, we don't know what kind of a day that person's had. We don't know whether they were just delivered some tragic news, yeah. whether we have no idea what's going on in their lives. Who am I to presume? Tell them how, how bad you cussed when that guy came by us in the, in the, in the lane. Oh, I'm sure you will. <laughs> <laughs> just this guy came by us in, 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 the, in, the, in the lane that you're not supposed to drive in, and we were going probably 65, and he was going 75 or 80. And when he went by, man, there was bags and trash blowing up and stuff, right? And she's driving, and she's, jerk hole. <laughs> and I remember I looked at her, and I said, jerk hole? That's it? That's all you got? Because <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard you say anything like that. To her, that was like blasting in the Lord. <laughs> okay. But, you know, really, we don't know what people are enduring, especially in these days, that would set them off. So praying for them, it calms me down, and I ask the Lord to please intervene, whatever problem they're having, get in the middle of it, but also to help them drive so they don't hurt themselves or anybody else. I like that because, you know, even like I was saying earlier, you know, this the whole issue on the surface, it, it looks like something trivial, but like you pointed out, just recently here, locally, somebody lost their life behind a road rage incident. And I'm like, man, if, if, if more of us can take that type of attitude where something happens, it's a, it's, it's a, it hits us, it's offensive to us, we can take a step, step back and take a more of an empathetic approach yeah. And look at it like, okay, well, giving the person the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. To say, all right, maybe maybe they might be rushed to the hospital. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, they just heard they somebody literally got shot or something like that. Or they just, you know, they they got served divorce papers and they won't expect it. Mm-hmm. Something, you know, just, I mean, could be me, a multitude of things. Me looking at, okay, there, there may be something wrong with this, with this individual. Yeah. Something is going on with yeah. them. So let, let you know. Let me gather myself and let me pray. Yeah. Right. And that's the appropriate response because I mean, these times we live in now, they could literally save somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For real. So you never know who you're touching. I yeah. do that for the people that run the red lights at Oyster Point in Jefferson. Endanger your life. Julianne was just telling me about somebody at the Charlottesville, one of the intersections there at Carter's Mountain. Let's see, Julie, she got that look on her face. I, I'm going to tell myself, I got in trouble on that one. I got to get a ticket back in the day on that one. One of them, one of them, mail tickets. Don't, don't block yeah. the box, by the way. Sorry. Don't block the box. Don't be there. I'm sorry. I didn't know what that meant for the longest time. I was like, oh. People are through those lights, and I'm thinking, could it be any redder? I mean, seriously? You know what keeps me calm, really? But that's selfishness, right? Yeah. The fact that I carry a gun, if somebody came up to me and I thought my life was in danger, I'd have to shoot him, and I don't ever want to do that. So I, I, I try to stay out of those situations if I can. That's good. Yeah, because, because, in fact, when I see him acting up, I'm thinking, you know, don't do it, dude. You'll lose. That's what I'm thinking. Mom gets on mind, me all the time. Don't, don't do it. You'll lose. You're going to get hurt. I do. I'm doing it. 
I'm, I'm better, I'm, but I'm not still, still not there. I'm bad. I have my own things going on, but I just, I said, you point. Stop the car and let me out. You got the gun. I got the You're going to die. I don't want to see it because you need to stop. I was on War Boulevard. The guy got out of his car at the red light in front of me. I wasn't even doing anything. I'm just sitting there waiting for the light. He got out of the car, stood next to the door, and started <laughs> pointing at me, and screaming at me, and yelling. And I'm sitting there just looking at him, wondering what is wrong with this guy? Because, I mean, nothing, literally nothing happened. And he started walking to the car, and I'm thinking, don't do it. You'll lose. Don't do it. And he finally turned around and got back in his car. But he, he went nuts over nothing. Well, that's how you know. They're not in their right mind. Yeah, so, so this happened, find the enemy. And it, it happened to us another time in broad daylight. And it was an, a man in um, like a farm truck. And she had did something that made him mad. But she didn't really do that bad. And he got mad because she did something to him. Not really bad, too. He cut me off. And we no, went to, tr to make a left turn. He was in front of us. He saw what he was doing. He pulled over and stopped in front so we could get around him. <laughs> he got out of his truck and came back to the one. He's like, who do you think? Oh, what are you doing like that? I pulled out the phone and I looked at him. I said, get away from the car or I'm calling the law. And James City County is right down there. Just a, a hop, you know, throw a baseball at almost. I go, get in the car and get away from us. But he had actually... That's a threat to our, uh, on our lives because he was coming up there. Who do you, what do you think you do? Who do you think you are? And it was, you would have never suspected him. He looked like Gene, you know, just. Just like a you, plumb you know, well, The key is the just fact that you're up. dealing with people who don't even know you. It, there's no reason to get offended because it's not because they personally know you and they're so doing something on yeah, purpose. Exactly. Right? Because. I mean, I like Keith's line. He says, hey, if you knew me, you would really like me. I've <laughs> you know? We met in the grocery store. It'd be a different ball game, you know. And me, I look like Casper Milk Toast. Nobody's afraid of me, you know. <laughs> but they should be. They should be very afraid. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pull some notes from the out from all the study, study notes says. Humility can be defined in many different ways, one of which is the absence of pride. Mm -hmm. Typically, pride is described as arrogance, but that is just one dimension of pride. Timidness is also pride. Because in its simplest terms, pride is self-centered. And a timid or shy person is very self-centered. Paul gave the antidote to self-centeredness here when he said, esteeming others mm -hmm. better than oneself. Mm -hmm. Now, just to add to that, you know, when you look at that, it's, it's almost like, wow, you know, is that really practical for me to put everybody else up before myself? But see, when you have a revelation of God's love for you, it's, it's, it sets the foundation for you to be able to take this exhortation and walk it out. Because I know, you know what? I don't have to worry about me. God got That's me. right. I'm going I'm to I'm present myself as a vessel to you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be. Then he'll you know, exalt gonna, you. And I'm going to look to bless you. Right? But without a revelation of God's love for you, mm -hmm. this is going to be a, a real struggle to do that. Yeah. Because your, your own needs and wants of this stuff is going to be shouting at you. And you're going to have to like try to will yourself to live this out. And what do we know about our will? 
it will fail. The flesh will fail. Yeah. But the love of God. Yeah. I used to work with a Mennonite guy, nonviolent. I said, what would happen if you came in your house and you, both your kids were dead and there was a guy in the process of raping your wife? He said, I could never hurt him. I could never stop him. Oh my! He said, if I did, I'd, I'd stop that man's chances of receiving God before he died. I said, dude, are you serious? And he was dead serious. Yeah. Instead of going in the military, he 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 went in as a conscientious <coughs> objector, and he, he worked as a male nurse up in Richmond in the hospital or an orderly or something for two or three years. Yeah, and he was dead serious. And I knew he meant it, and I knew he would go do it, but I couldn't understand it. Like if I see somebody I love being hurt, I gotta stop it or try to stop it. You know, die trying maybe. Yeah, but that's the thing. It, you know, it it that goes back to philosophy, like yeah. like like worldview. Doctrine, all you know. How do I? Because from his perspective, what I'm hearing is for him to walk in love means to avoid con all conflict at all costs. Yeah. But is that really the type of love that we see it displayed? Mm -hmm. No, because God, you know, he went he's went to great <clears throat> lengths to reach us and help us. And Jesus tore up the temple us. and made a whip. So so there's a time for anger. And obviously in the word, there are consequences for wrong behavior. God never just let people go who violated the law. Yeah. But that's for like denying, you know, like I'm not denying ourselves, but like putting, you know, others first and like, you know, saying about that, I said, um, not thinking about ourselves, trusting God with ourselves, you know, and then it's like, God, you'll take care of me. I'm going to put up this first. I remember a story Andrew, um, Andrew Ronick had told about a woman who she had been in a bad marriage. And I mean, it was beyond bad like um i mean there's bad and then there's like yeah, really bad he was he would abuse her beat her beat the kids and he was like actually into witchcraft too like it was like horrible he would move things he could move them with his mind and stuff it was it was really eerie and she had went to i think andrew or a friend of andrew's because andrew knew the story but anyways whoever she it might have been andrew himself but she went and she goes um no, it was Andrew, I believe. She went to him for advice. And, I mean, she had every out to get out of that marriage. Now, of course, if anybody would be listening to this, please trust, please go to God first. I mean, he doesn't want you being beaten. Andrew would never want anybody being no, beaten. He, he told her, I think he told her, like, get out physically of the situation. Yeah, if you and get hit, if you God, get hit, leave. Yeah, but, if, divorce, but, let, just, leave. but just pray and ask God or whatever. But he, he told her, he goes, like, you're thinking of yourself not getting out. She, she needed to get away from the dude and get in a safe place, which she did. But as for leaving the marriage, he encouraged her and he talked to her about like thinking and putting the man's soul, you know, above her, her own, you know, thoughts of getting away. And she got a revelation from God from, you know, she saw God and stuff and they went to counseling together and he, the bad, the, the bad, he was bad at that time. But anyway, the husband, he goes like, he says this stuff to the, in front of the counselor about what she had did. He accused her of doing what he had did to her. Everything he, he was did, really twisted. He told the counselor, she yes. did. And then he just, she and said, she just sat there. He said, um, Andrew was telling, you know, he said, the lady said she just sat back and goes, whatever he says, you know, it, it, you know, she like fessed so up to a, it. She had a revelation from God. And she trusted God. And then one. the love she showed him, this dude was completely shocked because he tried to destroy her. And they said, what had happened? We said, love. Is powerful. God's love is the most powerful thing in the universe. This dude, like, he lost his powers. He couldn't even like do what he did before witchcraft. His heart completely changed, 
And the only argument they had left, and Andrew left this as a funny because they got back together and he was healed and stuff and delivered, Everything. is he wanted to go, I think, like be a missionary somewhere. She don't want to do that. That's the only, you know, controversy they had yeah. left. But it's like amazing what that kind of selfless love will do to somebody, you know. I've counseled with the women who've been abused. And what they say is, I made him hit me. It was my fault. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done this. I'm sorry. And I always tell them, get away. Just don't divorce. Get away. <coughs> and then meet in a public place and, and get some counseling and, and do the right thing. And uh, some people that have been abused enough, it's, they blame themselves. Yeah, that's true. This is kind of along the same vein, but this goes even deeper, the selfishness into our prayer life. When I had only been saved a couple years and my first husband had walked out and left. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And I was there for about five years and praying for his salvation earnestly. And there was an older, wiser man in, our, in my little cell group. And I'm not saying he had a word from the Lord, but he was, he was very certain that my ex was not coming back. And he always just tried to encourage me, but I prayed for years. And then one day the, I heard the Holy Spirit ask me this question because, you know, I had this vision. Oh, we'll get back together and we'll be on the 700 club and we'll be able to help people with their marriages. You know, all my vision. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, if you were to gain nothing, out of this, would you be praying as fervently for his soul? If you had nothing to gain, in other words, if he never comes back, would you consider all this prayer time wasted? What's your motivation for praying for him? That he'll wow. come back and it enriches your life? Or are, are your thoughts really toward his good? Well, he nailed me. Because if I were honest, I'd have to say, well, I'm thinking about, you think too deep for me. I mean, obviously, you know, it's would I want him to go to heaven and know God? Yes. But probably my primary motivation at that point in my walk was marriage healed, you know, back together. And well, after that, I had to take a hard look at things and, you know, I repent. Yeah, I'm praying mostly about how this is going to benefit me. And so I was able to release him, you know, to the Lord. And my main goal was pray for his salvation that if I benefited, fine, but that wasn't where I was praying. But, I mean, that's how deep that selfishness can go. So it's even made me aware now. I'm not so quick to pray. Can you pray for me this or that? I have to stop and say, maybe not here, or I don't have a witness about that. I can't agree with you on that right now because I have to get the heart right, you know? I'm married a nun. <laughs> When my wife walked out on me, I was saying, you picked a fine time to leave me. <laughs> Four hungry he's, children. He's lying. <laughs> I see, he's holding us some little bunch stuff. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. We really are. Right. And, and, you know, and this is what uh, our understanding and revelation of the scripture, right? It, if we really digest it, it'll help us guide us through these these life situations it's, it's not a history book we're not reading a history book this 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 is not these are not dead words on the page it's alive yeah mm -hmm. this is living oh and it'll discern the motivation of the heart oh, yes, for it sure. will. 
<laughs> sure it's will. just like he's like the whole example that you know Terry just gave you. I'm like, wow. You know, it, how many of us? I know I've you know I've had moments like that. I'm like, yeah, am I thinking about me? I'm thinking about me, right? And it'll it'll make you step back and say, okay, all right, I'm out. Of, I'm not in line with what you're asking of me. Mm-hmm. To put the other person first. But again, this is why I said what I said earlier about a revelation of God's love for you. How that's the foundation of everything. Because if I understand that, it don't, it, it, it's not, it's not going it to hit me the same. I'm not going to be so quick to think of myself first. You don't feel as if something's being taken, taken away, away from, from you. From me. Mm-hmm. Because all right, I'm full. I got everything. Mm-hmm. He told me he got me. So I can look out for you, mm-hmm. look out for you, and look out for you, and not feel like I'm losing mm-hmm. because he got me. So I'm good. Mm-hmm. I don't have to think about me because he got me. Yeah. Right. Because I and and that's why I, that, that's another reason why I mentioned that too. Because somebody may like Gene's reaction. Yeah. To what Terry was saying, somebody may be listening to that and be like, "Oh shoot, she just loved Mother Teresa. I ain't getting on that level." <laughs> right. Now but, that was clearly a revelation from God because level, I was only saved about three years. Your level when was that, higher than mine. When my level was find this guy that my ex was running with and beat the snot out of him. That's where my level as a Christian, that's where my level was. See, till this day I had and mom knows what I'm talking about. There was a couple of um men in my past either dated or interested in and one of them was very cruddy and I mean, thank you, Jesus. I got away and broke away from that. But I, I mean, this was like years, two, three, many, actually more like three, four years ago, long time ago anyway. And, um, that's not the case in my life now. Thank you, Jesus. But this guy, I mean, into like almost like a Nazi. I mean, he like had really, it's like, how would I have cared about somebody like that? Well, you keep going. It's not really like that, but anyways, that's another story. But when I finally broke away, I really did get to a point where I just, I, I literally prayed separate of any of the feelings, you know, the romantic ones, nothing. They were kind of going away anyway, like I said, with God's help. But I just go, God, this man needs you. And I literally prayed out of my heart. You know, I know what you, you know, mm-hmm. just, I just said, he needs to know you. I hope mm-hmm. God, whatever you need to do, you know? And I go to this day, once on a blue moon, this, this guy, you know, just remember my past. I'll go, I hope God, I hope, you know, I hope he's married, has a staple and situation, has some kids. I'm not operating the same because the nigga wasn't like, <laughs> See? yeah, it was like I, I, two no. different views, right? It's like, <laughs> and being a mom, being my daughter, you know, and I mean, I've even had God show me over somebody. Fact, I, yeah. Some better. <laughs> yeah. But there's, there's reward, which you were kind of alluding to, because about a year <laughs> after that, I got a phone call. I mean, he had called and we we were talking about taking taking our students to Europe. He was an art teacher, so we had both been in Europe about the same time and whatnot. And um, I hadn't talked to him all not that long ago. And then he called one day and he said, "Are you sitting down?" Now I'm still in faith that God's going to work this out. I said, "No," and he said, "Well, maybe you should." I said, "Okay." And so he said, "I got married." I said, "What?" He said, "I got married." And I said, "What?" I literally asked him five times. Because he had just told me that I was his best friend, that he would never love anybody like me. Could we just get divorced and live together and everything would be fine? And I said, well, no, it doesn't work that way. Right. So am I expecting to hear some this person tell me I just got married? 
Well, I honestly believe that because I had been able to release him to the Lord and my whole motivation was for his well-being, I didn't go nuts. My neighbors, when they found out, they, they're putting me like on suicide watch. They kept coming to the door every 15 minutes, a different neighbor. Finally, I had to say, what is going on with you people? I'm not suicidal. I'm not falling apart. You don't have to bother me night and day. I mean, it was it was terrible. The phone just ringing. That was worse than... You know, they were point. all freaking out. And and yeah. a lady called me and she said, I didn't know her very well, but she was head of a Bible, big Bible study on the peninsula. And she asked, she says, I'd like to take you to lunch on Friday. And she said, there's only going to be one stipulation. You will not mention his name. You, you will not be able to... Refer. I said... No problem. Like, and this, was, this was like on a Monday, I find out. Because I called my pastor and told him, and he didn't believe in divorce and remarriage. So he said, this is what I want you to do. Read through the Psalms. Stay off, take off work the rest of the week and stay in Psalms. Just read through them over and over. And I did that because he didn't know how to console me because he didn't believe in remarriage. So, and I'm, you know, 31 years old. So he's anyway, I did that. So Friday we go out to eat and it was very easy not to talk about him. And my neighbors, we always went for our evening walk. I could hear them. They're all walking behind. Is this fake? Is she, she okay? Is she's bathing she really out, okay? right? <laughs> I think it was being able to have released him. God prepared me for all of that. So there was a reward. He, I mean, he had a, he had a purpose for that. It, it wasn't that was so noble. If you lived it's up just, north, people would be coming saying, look, I know a guy. we got to send this guy to visit him. He needs a talking to. You know? Need to have a sit down with him. But God knows all, and it was good. And he really saved me from falling apart. And I think that was part of it. I, I did fall apart. I tried to backslide and couldn't. I wasn't even a good backslider. <laughs> See, and, and you can get to a place with the Lord where your your inclination, when you know you suffer some type of a hurt like that, mm -hmm. you your inclination is to go back to your flesh and, mm -hmm. and indulge. But then you get there, and it's like not what you thought it was. Because you're not the same person no. you were when uh, you were in, indulging. No. Right. But that's but that's that's what that interaction, that prayer time, that time fell fellowship with the brother, and that time studying the word, all that stuff, talking to the Lord throughout the day, all that relational stuff. It yeah. is changing something, even if you don't feel it emotionally in the moment. Yeah. There's there's things going on there. And all the stuff you like to do just makes you feel guilty. There's no joy in it at all. Mm -hmm. And it's no. stuff that you used to like. Yep, you used to love right. to do it. No joy. I, I've said it over and over. I go, and this is what we were talking about earlier, praying about confronting somebody like, God, you know what they're thinking, if they're doing something really crazy, you know, like in the church setting especially. I go, I literally, like, I've always said it, like, I had a pretty strong relationship with God in the sense of he, like, saved me from the proverbial hell, you know, on earth. But um, when I got to be 30 years old, it's almost been four years ago, I just... Couldn't do it anymore like I've talked about, but I realized, I go, I didn't want this. I was on this extreme. I went over to this extreme, but I'm like, I didn't like that. I just wanted a balance in life, you know, of, you know, having the desires in my heart, what God had for me and stuff. But going to a bar, I tried it and I go, I literally, I've always teased and go, I went three and a half times. And each time I went after the first time, 
I kind of was, it was like a bucket list thing. It was just like, I wanted the night to be over. I'm sitting in there and I'm like, all this loud music's going on. I thought I'm like loud music going good music, but you know, all these crazy things are happening around me and I'm like looking and I even told my best friend when he, you know, he kind of accompanied me and made sure I was safe. He, he took me the first couple of times and I go, I told him after I said, you know, I see people hurting. I see people looking for something. And then, but I said the people, but the, now the atmosphere, I felt evil in there. Like, and I go, even like running from God, God is right there. And you know, the, the heart and you just like spending time with him. And it's like, I knew I didn't want the super See, religious gonna, God. I, you know, it's like, around. She's going like, I, people are hurting. She's putting herself above. Them. Yeah. And I, I've, I've, I've literally to this day, I always, always, and, and he can account for my best friend. Get, I said, the most beautiful thing I saw of the whole experience was one of his friends and another friend. They found each other like the love of each other's lives are still married. They weren't acting quite the same as everybody else. It wasn't like, you know, crazy. And some other stuff I go, I, I just, I could, it, it just was my nature. You know, I just didn't want religion anymore. And then I realized I don't want the bar either, you know? So, you know, you need to say something, you know, everybody is, either they're hurting or looking for something. Mm-hmm. Right. And see, and this is why if we can live the way Paul isn't exhorting us to, then we can, we can be that, that light that people see. Yeah. To open their heart to the gospel, you know. I want to look at verse three in the Amplified Philippians two, verse three. It really kind of really blows it up here. It says, "Do nothing from factional motives, through contentiousness, strife, selfishness, or for unworthy ends." or prompted by conceit, empty arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, lowliness of mind, let each regard the others as better than and superior to himself, thinking more highly of one another than you you do of yourselves. Look at the first half of that. It says, factional motives. Factional motives. Factional motives. And that's and that, that goes back to that whole idea of being of one mind. Right. Okay. Right. Because a faction is like it's a a sect, sect. or a section. Like think about sections in a, in a, in a, in a, in a store mm-hmm. or in a room. Sections, things that are set off to the side, right? And there are plenty, and there are plenty of factions within the body, and, and and again, that's one of those things that you know we, you as an individual, you know, you you're probably not going to be the one that destroys all the denominations, right, or whatever, but. You can, as an individual, look at people beyond what their badge is, what their religious badge is, you know, because the temptation is if you got a revelation in this area and I got a revelation in that area, the temptation is to exalt my revelation over yours. Right? 
you know, listen that these first three scriptures in Philippians and then Romans 14, 1, mm-hmm. particularly that one version that you read, I think it was, I don't remember what it was, maybe it was New Living. But it would seem that all Christian denominations, if they conducted themselves like that, these first three verses and that first verse in 14, that the body of Christ would get along. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm thinking, but here's what I've heard before, and maybe you have some wisdom on that. Somebody's going to say, but I have to speak the truth in love. Somebody from one of those denominations. Mm-hmm. I can see saying that because they say they're in their minds, they're going to say, but they need to know the truth. So I need to speak the truth in love. And if you ask them what truth is, they're going to say, it's my will or my revelation of what I believe. That's the truth. That's what they're going to say. So, so what's a good, I guess, a comeback for something to say to convince somebody who think they need to speak the truth in love and be their version of the truth or their denomination version of the truth? You know, I can't think of anything to say that, like, convince them now, no, no, now it's not time. You, you can't. You just got to, if you can talk to them and convince them to love somebody. I used to drive by a preacher on the corner on Granby Street every Friday night, and he'd be out there screaming at people and telling them they're going to hell. And I remember one time I yelled out the window, Dude, have you thought about love? <laughs> and he just yelled louder. Honestly, I would just take him back here. To Romans 14. I mean that that's that that's the only that's the one place where it jumps out at you. I mean it jumps off the page for me. Because and that's why I did that little example earlier. Mm-hmm. Because I know that's the comeback for this. You know, when people say, Well, brother, I got to speak the truth in love. I said, Well, you got to look at the whole counsel of God, and this is where we get in trouble. Like my my personality may be bent towards jumping on that scripture and uh, and, and and being bold and confrontational. Just because you're a confrontational person and that that's that, that and, and, and are not afraid of confrontation doesn't mean that you like Terry said, you're you're the vessel that God wants to use to confront a specific issue. But again, if we're walking in this revelation what Paul's talking about, then I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to lead me and not taking charge myself to take the initiative to tell everybody off. Yeah, that's what like she everybody, said. Everybody that got pants or leggings on, I got to call them out. Yeah. Or jewelry or lipstick or nail polish. Right, well, everybody that's everybody a Democrat, I got I to, you know, <laughs> leave, leave <laughs> right? Oh, goodness and gracious, yeah. Well, vice versa. Yeah, exactly. She was saying it, though, about, like, the road rage. Um, you don't know what the person is thinking, and they may be hurting really bad, and yeah. something's going on. The same thing with just regular life. That would be a, a decent one. It might not affect them. They think, well, I've got to tell them the truth. You don't know what that person's thinking. What if you 
do more damage than good. It would be better. Would you want somebody to do that to you? Oh, yes, I would. Um, think about it for a little while. And like we, you know, to add if on. If God is not yeah. doing it, it's going to cause like, more damage than it ever would good. Like earlier. Even something simple. Yeah. Like what do you think is simple? Earlier where I was saying about, you know, my little bar streak or whatever I did. Like, well, you are saying it made me think. I go, I literally did not want to do what I was doing. You I know, know but however, I you know, I had a couple of, you know, like I said, letters, as you call it. And it was, oh, well, you need to do this and this. And I'm like, you know, just it, it, it did more damage, you know, rather it, if somebody just went like, how are you? You know, what's going on? Like, this ain't like you. It would have been a lot better. And I could have just been real like, hey, this idea of God sucks in my life, you know, and then they could have. It could have been a little window, which, you know, but yeah. Every time, every time I went on a mission trip, like to downtown Norfolk or New York City in the Bronx, uh, and we just walked the sidewalks, like I'm like a light to hookers. The hookers would be in line, and I'd be praying with them, and them girls would be crying, and uh, they wanted love so bad, and I don't mean the, the physical kind. No, they wanted and, uh, they and, needed and, it. beyond that. Yeah. And I had, a, I had an anointing for hookers, and... The, the guys that I were with were making fun of me. They said, Gene, you had you almost had lying around the block. Said, Man, I can't help it. And nothing I'm doing. It's just the Holy they Spirit need, they need attracting that them, you know? That's right. All right let, me, let me wrap it up with this. I want to read verses four through six, just in light of what Kevin was saying. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, I think if a person is open minded and really wants to, you know, be in a position to speak the truth and love, but wants to do it in context, they have to have a revelation of what's being spoken of here in verse in Romans 14. And look at look at verse 4 specifically. Paul says in the New Living Translation it says, Who are you to condemn someone else's servant? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Their own master will judge whether they stand mm -hmm. or fall. And with the Lord's help they will stand and receive his approval. Verses 5 and 6 says, in the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is a life. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is, is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor him. And those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. If we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord of both the living and of the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. So verse 4 and 10, look at those. Yeah, and that brother's mansion might be right next to yours in heaven. <laughs> Just imagine if she got some transparent leggings on. You have to grow a hedgerow in between the houses. <laughs> but, that, but, but seriously, that's really, that's where the world needs to roll at. Mm-hmm. Us being able to say, okay, I'm not the bearing of truth in my flesh, 
but we all have relationship with the one who is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Holy Spirit. We need to spend more time listening to him instead of trying to get our point across, our revelation. And Keith, the answer to that where I want to speak the truth in love, you, you, you need to tell the person that's, Kevin, okay, you need to, the person that says that, you need to say, why don't you just speak love, period, because that person already knows what they're doing wrong. Deep down inside, they know. You don't have to tell them. Well, it's maybe a doctrinal issue he's talking about. Well, there's the, the, for, but the stuff that's out, out that stand, really stands out there, they know. What is are in sin, they know what they're doing. What does Andrew say about it? It's like, when you do grace, like we're talking about, he's like, you're giving them a license to sin. He goes, well, people are sinning plenty well without a license, so, you know. So I'll read it one more time for the road. Who are you to condemn someone else's yes. service? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. With the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. Amen to that. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Good night, guys. Good night.